Welcome to Training Unleashed, the show that will help you design and deliver training that's off the chain and will make a difference. Now, here's your host, Evan Hackle. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Training Unleashed. Today, we've got an amazing guest, but before we get started, I need to acknowledge my sponsors, C-Suite TV and C-Suite Radio. Without you, I wouldn't have a show. Uh, my guest today is Sean Doyle. He is with a company called Fitzpatrick, and this is going to be a great show because we're going to be talking about science, which is something I love to do when we talk about training, uh, and one of the things that Sean is really known for is how do businesses break through plateaus? And so, Sean, let's combine the two because I know they are combined. <laughs> and, you know, why? let's just start with a basic question. Why do businesses plateau? A lot of people, uh, first of all, I'm excited to be here. And uh, look, I've got some very specific ideas to offer your listeners that I think will be incredibly helpful. Um, I think the answer to your question, the first thing, a marketer you'd expect would say is brand awareness. So, uh, and I know you're from the Northeast, Evan, because Fitzmartin, my company, is not like Fitzpatrick, all the Irish people around you guys up in the Northeast. So <laughs> Fitzmartin, um, we have, uh, we have a, a, a learned over the years. I'm, I'm, I'm an old guy. So I've been doing this for 30 years and We've pushed through uh, barriers ourselves as a business, and uh, you know we've discovered through the years that there's this pattern um, of businesses that only about six million businesses get into that ten FTE, ten full-time employee size. Only about a million people ever get up to the twenty-five FTE size full-time employees, and only about one hundred and forty thousand get above 50. And Evan, you know this because your story, you, you took a business and it grew. You went through rapid growth. Um, every business faces barriers in, in those journeys where the executive team has to rethink things and change the way they approach uh, th their approach to business. So my expertise is around sales and marketing. You might see a, a small business that 6 million uh, people that make it to 10 FTEs, they might have just some marketing basics and maybe it's a little homegrown kind of marketing approach. But once you get above the 25 full-time employee size, then you start getting into marketing technology. You've got delegated leadership teams. You begin to get a little more complex. And with that complexity comes a barrier around communications. And then once you get over that 50 FTE size, now, you know, now you're looking at real org charts, non-ownership leadership, non-owner leadership. You're looking at growth strategies instead of doing marketing stuff. You're looking at what's the growth strategy? How, does, how can marketing uh, shape strategy? How can marketing inform strategy? Well, those are three very different departments, right? If you want to think about them as departments. And I think the most important of those three is understanding the complexity through that rapid growth is the communication that has to occur between a sales leader, a marketing leader, an executive team. And of course, you know, the, the glue that holds all this together, the HR slash training function that can be the, the instrumental player in helping all these people communicate and talk and be on one page. So we have spent a lot of our career identifying these barriers and being able to come in and concisely identify where sales and marketing um, 
can't needs to shift or change or gr adjust to grow. And uh, it's, it's a fascinating experience. And we see people that make the adjustments, they'll grow significantly 30, 40%, just, just with making internal changes. So it's a, it's an incredible, incredibly fun thing to do to help other people be successful. You know, as I sit here and I listen to you, I have a lot of background in franchising and it's, the, every statistic you give in terms of number of employees, I could give you in terms of number of franchisees. Mm, and absolutely. there are very, very few franchise systems that ever get to 100 franchisees. And what appears to be, and it's different based on every business, is plateau areas. So if you're in franchising, zero to five, you know, it can be you and a couple of people. Once you get past five, now you got to start to think about adding franchise support. Then when you get to about 25, you now need to have a full-blown system in place, but you get kind of a little, and, and this is going to turn into a question. You get kind of in a place where you have to accept a lower return to move further up in the chain to make more money. Sure. So what happens is you're making, you're in franchising, you're starting to make a little money when you got around 25 franchisees. But if you want to get past 25 franchisees, you now have to hire more people. You now have to look at your structure, look at your support so that you can attract and now sell more franchises. And that's a lot of times hard for businesses to actually invest to improve. Do you see that in, in traditional businesses? Absolutely. What you just described is a, uh, the shift from when you're really trying to create a revenue stream then you're starting to think about <clears throat> how do I grow some equity in this business and, and start to have clear ROI and, and be able to measure performance. And then at the end there, you're talking about how, and again, I've got a sales and marketing lens here. You know, now we're definitely looking at cash flow. We're looking at how do you reallocate your investments in cash? Uh, what, what's the quality of our customers? Who, who, what customers do we start saying no to? Uh, how do we scale? I mean, those are very different questions that are critical. And again, I'm going to point to marketing specifically. Most, most businesses get a need for an executive, right? We, we, we're not going to argue the need for an executive. We're not going to argue the need for a CFO. We're not going to argue the need for an SVP of sales. But for some reason, when it comes to marketing, we feel like we can just get, you know, an underqualified person, maybe spend <laughs> a little less money. Um, but if you do that, understand you've created a barrier uh, because you're not going to, you're going to have somebody who can, uh, we just call it the doing of marketing. It's that low level kind of, of the pyramid of, of value. It's that low level work. That leader, a leader that can help you is somebody who's going to come in and say, let's talk about the quality of customers. How do we scale? What's our market expansion plan? Uh, let's focus on the right ROI. So I'm turning this into a, a, a conversation about marketing, not training. Um, but I, I just bring that to the table because I, I would say, if you're going to have executive team cooperation and a clear vision that enables growth, then you've got to have qualified or at least respected um, people in the marketing role. And you know, it's, it's without Sean, that. Yeah. Shana, I'm going to illustrate something on something at this moment to point out. Everything you just said, totally agree with, and will point out that they will not choose a bad training person. They won't choose to train. Uh, and when a company 
is going to scale and you're creating a brand experience, you need consistency. Mm. And if you're going to, you know, so, and maybe I'll take a little contrarian thing on marketing for a second here, although I'm a huge believer in marketing. So if I, when I look at a business, every lead is an opportunity. And through training is how you increase your close rate, how you increase your average ticket, and how you protect your margin or increase your margin. And those things are controllable through training, Mm -hmm. where marketing is harder to measure, quantify, know, or understand. But I... Yeah, I know you're a scientist, so I know you're sitting here saying, not that hard. <laughs> you're <laughs> but, wrong, Evan, you're wrong. Okay, go ahead and just tell me why I'm wrong. And I'm open to being wrong. <laughs> me too. I'm wrong frequently. I'm sure I've yeah. been wrong a couple of times today. Um, I, I, would, I would challenge, first of all, that we got to define what marketing is, right? So marketing should have impact internally. And marketing, if your marketing team is only thinking about things like lead generation and brand awareness, that's fine. Uh, But the first time that you, first time an economic problem comes along, whatever it might be, you're going to pull back on brand advertising and that's fine. Um, Yeah, we can get into the argument of companies grow more when they don't pull back and we can give you evidence and all that, but you're still going to think about it. It's because you have to conserve cash. But what's marketing do then? Like marketing should be involved in every opportunity internally. In fact, I can even give you a franchise uh, relationship to this conversation. Um, A franchise has to choose at some point whether to pursue, I would call it market norms or social norms. So there's a founder, there's somebody who in the beginning has a social norm. They're doing something, they're starting this thing that was good because they were passionate about it. And then it grew, right? And now all of a sudden there's 10, 15, 25. I think 25 was one of the the flip points that you were mentioned. Somewhere in there, somebody comes in and starts to apply market norms that conflict with the social norms. What do I mean by market norms? Well, let's let's improve our supply chain. Let's lower our quality a little bit so we can take a little bit more down to net income. Let's, um, you know, all those market dynamics start coming in. So a, a franchise has to choose, right, where to go. So what's this have to do with training, Sean? Great question. So if <laughs> marketing can come in and help understand the core, the heart of the entity, then the executive team and training can start hiring to the right norm. It might be Southwest Airlines is famous for the the employee norm of having fun energy, at least they used to be, um, energetic folks that would sing and dance and just do crazy stuff on the plane. And we all were drawn to that. Well, that was a social norm. That was not a market norm. The market norm is probably let's go to the union and get the cheapest rate and try to you know, make sustenance and deliver shareholder value. Well, and I think anybody who's been on Southwest in the last 20 years has seen a shift. Now I'm not an expert on Southwest, but you, you can, that's an easy way to demonstrate the shift from a social norm to a market norm. So what's training have to do with this? Marketing should codify what you want to do as a business. Executive teams should intelligently define 
where you want to go, what, what amount of social are we going to allow? What focus on market norms do we want to allow? And then training can hire to that, can train to that, can develop customer experience to that. Customer experience is what leads to market retention, higher tickets, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So all these things are connected to training. Training is uh, an often forgotten component. I'm, I'm not an expert on training, but the businesses and my clients over the years who have a dedicated training person have all kinds of opportunities that people who kind of wing it, you know, and we all have to wing it as we're growing and small. We just don't have the capacity to do that. I mean, even just yeah. a simple onboarding plan, that's the beginning probably of a, of a training program, right? Well, literally everything starts with marketing, defining your brand. What does your brand stand for? What are the values of the company? What's your vision, mission, et cetera? The purpose of training is to help the company execute that vision. Beautiful. And, you know, what sometimes happens is companies will shift marketing, try to maybe go more upscale, but not shift the customer experience or the training of the sales team, if there is a sales team or customer service team to yeah. understand the new customer that's coming in. Uh, Here, I got a great example for you of that. So my, where I bought my car, it's a Toyota. It's nothing super fancy, but the claim of this dealership is they're the home of the red carpet program. Well, some marketing schmuck came up with that. And I'm sorry if you're listening, but some marketing schmuck came up with that. Well, my experience at the dealership, when I'm going in for scheduled service, regularly appointments, it's anything but red carpet. So somewhere training wasn't involved. Marketing made a promise that couldn't be delivered on. Training didn't make sure that promise is delivered. And now I just, I, I get angry every time I call because they start with the phone saying, home with a red carpet program. And I'm like, I know I'm not even going to get a human being. This is so far <laughs> from red carpet. It just frustrates me. I'll, so I, I'll, I'll, anyway. I'll share, I'll share with you a quick story. Uh, there was a store that it was in floor covering and they had a, a warranty, which was if you were unhappy with your flooring, um, you could literally have it replaced. They would take it back, give you full credit towards any other floor of your choice. And the idea of this warranty was that you could buy with confidence because if it was installed and it didn't look right, they wanted your house to be beautiful, right? Great warranty. Sounds good so far. Right. Sounds good so far. So I'm going in and I'm meeting with a team of salespeople and I'm asking them how they use this just out of curiosity. And, and I said, you know, do you like when you start with a customer just say, hey, I just want you to know we have this warranty that if you don't like your flooring, you can actually get a credit so that you you don't you can have confidence you're going to end up with a beautiful floor here. And I go, do you, you know do it at the start? And they go, no, we do it later. And, and I go, okay, you do it later. Does that mean once they choose the flooring, you now assure them that if they get it installed, no later? I go, do you do this at the close when you know as your close? And they go, no, we do it later. And I go, what is later? And they go, well, when the customer calls up and says they're disappointed in their floor, we then tell them they can switch out. <laughs> and, and I said, so let me understand. We have this great program, which is incredibly expensive to do. You don't use it to make more sales, but you use it to overcome an upset customer. Yeah. And I said, we're happy you're overcoming the upset customers because we don't want them. 
Right. But the goal of it, <laughs> the goal of it is to get more sales to justify the expense. And love it. But people, you know, pe people are afraid. Need to improve your business results? Tortle's Rapid Curriculum Design Workshop might be just what you need. We partner with your business experts to identify knowledge gaps, determine training needs, and design a curriculum to help you achieve your business goals. We engage directly with the employees who have the most information to provide. The outcome of our Rapid Curriculum Design Workshop? A detailed blueprint with curriculum goals and strategies on how to implement the curriculum. So here's, here's how we address that problem. I think it's an incredibly applicable problem that's in B2B, it's in B2C, it's everywhere. So the, the approach we have, we, first of all, our, our baseline is something we call centricity. The reason that we call this concept, this, this principle centricity is everything sales does, everything marketing does, everything customer success does, uh, all the technology should be aligned, not selling and marketing and training and all that. It should be aligned to the customer. The customer, the user should be in the center. So everything you do should be in centricity. I, I think one of the great uh, crazy ideas of our day is let's create sales and marketing alignment by let's, getting, let's get sales and marketing to talk to each other. That's an incredibly brilliant conversation because the customer is left out of it. How can you do that? So let's get sales and training and marketing in the C-suite to understand the customer. Okay, that's great. So Sean, you just described a persona or uh, maybe a voice of the customer research program. The second thing that training can do and be so powerful in the way to create this alignment is by having a common language. So behavioral science upon which centricity is built teaches us that there are, we all going through any kind of change. We all go through six steps. Doesn't matter how complex it is. Doesn't matter how many people. It doesn't matter if it's a big capex decision or if, what franchise I'm going to go grab lunch at. We all go through the same six steps. So that sounds like a sales pipeline. Great. First question: Training has sales and marketing aligned to one common pipeline? Is there a common language so we all know what the needs of the buyer? not the needs of sales, not the needs of marketing, but the needs of the buyer. Do we all know what the need is at every specific spot in the pipeline? I said six, six steps is not overly complicated. Um, it has enough complexity that it can be effective and accurate, but not too much complexity. It's bulky to, to navigate. But here's the big aha moment of applying behavioral science. There's only nine best practices, we call them, that help people move forward in the journey. You were mentioning a guarantee. A guarantee is an incredible type of commitment. It's a counter and it's a reward for positive behavior. Those were three of the best practices that are effective at the closing table, how to close late stage deals. It's totally ineffective at the front end. So if, if I'm trying to take somebody before we would call it pre-contemplating, before they've even thought about buying, in your case, the carpet, and we said, hey, there's guarantee on carpet. Well, I, do I need carpet? I don't even, I don't even care about carpet. <laughs> Who cares about the guarantee? So you've got to have alignment with the best practice and the techniques that you use then. Guarantee is a technique. Uh, that would be great. So, but you've got to have alignment between sales and marketing based on the customer's needs. So if we know the customer needs a guarantee to close or to increase the close rate, 
That's wonderful. Marketing's got to know that. Sales has got to know that. The technology, whoever's running your revenue operations has to know that. There has to be alignment there and it has to be centered on the voice of the customer. So said another way, start with the customer, not with your internal departments, learn about them and then get everybody to the table, get the executive team there, get sales, marketing, training, customer success, revenue operations, technology to one table and simply create a framework. So Evan, this is not getting ready to turn into a pitch, I promise you. Um, I, am, I am confident after uh, 30 years I can, of doing this, I can't reach everybody in the country. So here's what I wanna do. I wanna just give away what I got and hopefully we can help a lot of people. So if you come to Fitz Martin, that's my company, not Fitzpatrick, Evan, um, <laughs> Fitz Martin, F-I-T-Z-M-A-R-T-I-N.com slash free help. If you go to fitzmartin.com slash free help, there's a chart called Centricity and it'll uh, my toolkit's there. If you hire me and pay me a lot of money and I deliver huge value, I'm going to use the same exact tools as you can download for free. And it gives you this framework. So People like frameworks because it gives them an easy way to understand complex things. Training likes a framework probably because it's an easy way to teach, easier way to teach and have get everybody on one page. So there's the frameworks there. Just dive in. The book that I'm referring to, the science is called Changing for Good. Go yeah, buy it what, on what's eBay. Your, yeah. What, what's your website one more time? Because unfortunately, first off, we love every listener. A lot of our listeners are choosing to listen on iHeart or on iTunes and things oh. where they don't get the the show notes. By the way, if you go to trainingunleashed.net, there's not only a write-up on the show, but then all the links and things are there. But uh, give your give your website one more uh, one more time, please. Absolutely, uh, it's f i t z m a r t i n dot com. And that's, not I'm how Sean. You spell, that's not how you spell. That's not how you sell Fitzpatrick. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. You're right. Oh, I, I, am, I am sincerely sorry about that. Oh, no. I told you right at the beginning of this, Evan, the only people, the only person that gets my name right is my mother. So, you know, we, we're, you've offended nobody. <laughs> okay. So um, you were talking about your book. Yeah. Well, and Evan has, he's going to drop a check on you listeners. He said he loves you and he's true. So I was encouraged by a publisher up at a Nashville uh, rock bench and they do business thought leadership in the sales and marketing space. Um, so I put down 19 business driven ideas uh, for an executive who's in charge of marketing, but never been trained for that task. And uh, in it, I share this basic framework. Uh, the free help has some uh, link on the website, has some videos. You can watch it if you're a watcher and, or you can do what I to do with videos is I plug it into my car and I listen to the video. Um, but yeah, anybody wants to send me an email, Sean, S-E-A-N at Fitzmartin, F-I-T-Z-M-A-R-T-I-N.com. Um, I will be glad to ship you a book on Evan's time. So there... So um, I, I, I appreciate the book and I want to just get back to the very beginning of this conversation because I think this is so relevant is you made the point that companies tend to hire stars in a lot of places, but they kind of pull back on marketing. Mm -hmm. And I believe the number one reason why executives are fearful of spending money and fearful on hiring people in marketing 
is because it's not their comfort level and it's not their expertise. And people tend to play where they feel comfortable. Your book, if I can plug your book for a second, is the ability to give someone the confidence to be able to think about and talk about marketing in a way that they'll feel more comfortable spending money on marketing and hiring better people in marketing. And this was not even set up. It's beautiful though. Chapter four, starting on page 42, gives an executive four questions to ask. Uh, the interesting thing about the questions when you're hiring somebody, whether you're hiring an agency or you're hiring a person to, to work internally, it gives you the four questions to ask. There's not a right answer, but there's a right way they should answer. And you don't have to know anything about marketing. And I, I give you your four interview questions. And the decision you're making is, am I going to hire someone to do stuff, do marketing stuff, which is, again, we would call that kind of bottom of the pyramid. There's lots of, you've got to tell people what to do. Now, when you tell people what to do, you can't blame them if it doesn't work because they did what you told them to do. Yeah. <laughs> That's a challenge. You got to remember that. So most of you who have said marketing failed, you may have hired somebody, told them what to do, and then guess, actually guess who was wrong. It wasn't the marketing person. Uh, but if you move up, there's sort of an enhanced layer where you're bringing in the strategy. And then there's a top level as you, as your business grows, as you keep going through break, barriers, this top level person is going to be almost all strategic may not even touch any of the doing of marketing. So there's a, there's a compendium that you have to decide where are you going to hire and then set your expectations uh, from there and then hire to them. You know, you know, what's the thing about marketing is so interesting is it is so hard to define success because a lot of marketing is brand, brand awareness, people buying a product later. Uh, you, you don't know when, you know, you know, I'm going to tell two, I'm going to tell two soda, soda stories right now, really quickly. I'm a big Dr. Pepper fan. I am a pepper. Uh, I was listening to a head of marketing and they did research. You had to drink eight Dr. Peppers before you became hooked which meant their marketing task was not to get you to try Dr. Pepper once, but to get to try it eight times, yeah, right. which is amazing. But the other marketing story, just you know, to show that it's really hard for people to, to judge, is that people say one of the biggest marketing failures of all time was New Coke. Hmm. And I would argue New Coke is one of the greatest examples of marketing success in the history of marketing. Because they got to reinvent themselves, come out with Coke Classic, remind people how much they like it. And now, I don't know, 25 years later, people, I'm talking about New Coke, people talk about New Coke all the time in, in marketing things. And they got so much press out of New Coke and branding. I, you know, I, I have now deemed it to be a success. Uh, when I was with uh, helping the, the one franchise that I was referring to earlier, um, a very successful group, they sell Coca-Cola products. I got invited to go to Coke headquarters. I've, I've met them. Um, Coke is an incredibly organized, efficient, brilliant machine. We spent time with their economist. They can track their stock price to their market demand, to sales, to revenue based on GDP within a fraction of a percent. I mean, they're an accurate, precise measurement organization. They spend billions on marketing. So I would say marketing can be measured. Um, and because if they didn't, right, if, if marketing didn't have impact and if all it was was there's a correlation to drink and pop and GDP, then they'd, they'd shut down that $8 billion expense, right? 
Sure. So there's, they know there's a connection, right? So I would say there's always evidence at scale. I think most people that lose money on marketing just don't spend enough on it. And that's not selfish because they're not, I'm not talking about spending it with me. I'm just saying, if you spend too little, you, you wasted all of your money. Um, and I think the, the new Coke debate, my only question is, I do think in life, sometimes the best experts get lucky. <laughs> <laughs> And I don't know that they, I'd like to believe there was a conspiracy theory behind that launch and then the relaunch and all that. In my gut, I think they had all the math in the world and humans are just hard. And it's not an exact science. If it was an exact science, there's like 80,000 well, agencies I'm not saying in that they should have yeah. stuck with new Coke. What I'm saying is that the end result with all the publicity and all the free marketing you know was you brilliant know, uh, yeah. yeah even if all they did was pivot to a mistake it was still brilliant yeah. uh, whether For it was sure. intentional or not i think is the, the big question and we're never going to know the answer to that and the scorecard to your point is revenue yeah. i mean ultimately at, in work the scorecard is revenue right because it's not very popular we're in a day where everybody wants to say the scorecard is purpose and all that well i'll just tell you if you don't have revenue then you're not going to have any purpose. You're not going to have any impact on the social world. You know, every, everybody wants to have an impact in life. And I'm a hundred percent behind that. Um, and there's the great story of the, uh, the, the nun who was the chairman of the board of the Catholic health system, who told the board when they were talking about giving it away in charity. And, uh, she, uh, famously said, told the board, she said, without margin, there is no mission. And I think that's a great illustration of that's true in any business, right? Without margin. There's, so you, this, the scorecard's money. It is. It's business. It's capitalism. Yeah. I'm going to share one more marketing story. This person who very serious, I mean, a, a trained marketing person, not this is not an amateur marketing person, shows me this flyer that they had mailed out and said, I don't understand it. This is the most compelling offer. It's an amazing offer. Not one person has come in and asked for this. And they handed, she handed me the, the flyer. She asked me to look at it and give her my opinion of the thing. And I said, this is amazing. I mean, it's compelling. It's wonderful. You only forgot the name of the company, the address and the phone number. <laughs> Um, and I'd say that was not a brilliant strategy. <laughs> no, no, nor was... recoverable. <laughs> was... Yeah. Like, uh, oh, yeah, because sometimes you can be very myopic. Um, speaking of details, uh, how about your email for the book one more time for everyone? Yeah, you're again, we're spending Evan's money here. This is great. So he's going to ship you books. Um, so it's Sean, S E A N at fitzmartin.com, F-I-T-Z-M-A-R-T-I-N. And um, you're welcome just to shoot me a question. I'll share with you the barriers, uh, business barriers to growth document that's uh, up in front of me right now. And uh, one and our tools are all at fitzmartin.com slash free help. Give it a whirl. I mean, just use them. Cool. So Sean, as you know, we end the show with, if you have one tip for the audience, what would that mm. one tip be? Well, the simple way of saying it is, it's not about you. <laughs> Quit talking about yourself. Talk about your customers. Talk about the person you serve. Understand them. They don't care what you do. 
They care how you help them. They have, they care how you impact their life. Uh, it, you've got to be, you've got to have a centricity on, on your buyer, on the person you serve. Fantastic tip. Very fantastic. Really appreciate you. Thank you. Want to thank my listeners without you wouldn't have a show really appreciate you. And of course I thank my friends at C-Suite TV and radio for your sponsorship. Everyone have a great day. Training Unleashed is brought to you by Tortal Training, specializing in e-learning and interactive online training solutions for corporate, government, nonprofit, and franchise organizations. Tortal makes effective training easier. Just go to tortal.net to gain access to real-world tools that can make a difference. That's tortal.net, T-O-R-T-A-L, tortal.net. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.